Hey team, welcome to episode 96 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Today, we've brought on an amazing female practice owner to share her story and help inspire women as they navigate their careers, family matters, and their life goals. We see a lot of hesitancy among women about becoming practice owners, so we're doing our best to interview practice owners that are female, that have kids, that don't have kids. We've interviewed women who are part of a couple where the husband is dentistry as well. We just really want you to hear about different experiences and different tracks and really about life in the middle and in between. So after listening to this episode, along with episode 95 and a few to come, we hope that you can see that it is all possible. So for today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Michelle Desiri to Transition Talk. She is a pediatric dentist in a three-doctor partnership of a pediatric and orthodontic practice. She's married to her husband, Ziad. Did I say that correctly? Yep. Perfect. And has two daughters, Laura and Gabby. Thank you, Michelle, for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, we had the pleasure to work with you. How many years ago was that? A couple years? Three years? I think it was about three or four years ago. Yeah, pre-COVID? COVID. COVID. It was, we were co- yeah, we oh, were it was just during COVID. The- That's probably yes, why it feels yes, like yes. lifetimes ago. <laughs> yes. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, personally, professionally, just kind of the, the highlights of where you are and where you practice and all the things. Sure. Yep. So I grew up outside of New York City and did my undergraduate at Lafayette College. And then I went to dental school in Boston at Tufts University. And after that, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did a one-year general practice residency at Cornell New York Hospital in New mm-hmm. York City. And then I decided I really wanted to do pediatrics. So I did a two-year residency at Columbia. And then that's where I met my husband. He was in his oral surgery residency. We got married and we moved to the suburbs. And we started out in a practice, which both of our practices, we loved them, but we didn't love where we were living. So Mm -hmm. then we moved to Annapolis, Maryland, where we really love. And we found some great people to work with and started off as an associate and moved into partnership. I almost went through two partnerships, one where I was the new dentist coming in and then one where one of our dentists was transitioning out and we were signing on an orthodontist. So a different type of transition. And I have two girls, one in college and one going to be in college soon. So I think that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, absolutely. So entering a empty nest phase and like life after children, I don't think there's actually ever a life after children. I've heard they just stick around. So, uh. (laughs) (laughs) well, initially they live in your world and now I live in their world. So that's a hard moment when that happens. It just overnight, it happens. Oh my gosh. I'm one of those people that put up my Christmas tree too early, but I was putting up my Christmas tree and my 13 year old came. She loves it. So she was helping me. And I was like, you have to promise me you'll always come home for Christmas. It doesn't matter what party, what trip, what ski trip, what boy, what friend Mm -hmm. you have to come home. And she was like, I'm not sure I can promise you that now. And I'm like, oh, I think you have to right now. So you have to do it for the rest (laughs) of your life. You have to come home. So, oh man. Well, good. Well, um, so tell me about entering a existing partnership How was that, right? Like you came in as a new partner and then kind of had that, like you said, those two transitions where then you were kind of the more established bringing in an orthodontist, which is a completely different type of partnership. So explain to me kind of the difference between those two for you being the person entering and then kind of bringing on someone else. 
So I guess to back up a little bit, I started as an associate. And then as we were moving to Annapolis, I thought, well, I'm just going to open up my own practice. And I sort of went through the motions of doing that and then got pregnant and realized, you know, well, what the heck am I thinking? How could I do this on my own? How am I going to sustain a practice and take out loans? And so I put a pause on that. And then I joined this amazing two male doctor practice. So I came in and I worked as an associate for quite a long time. I had two children at that point and just felt really overwhelmed. So the thought of partnership really never entered my mind. But then with some urging of my husband, he's like, why are you waiting so long? I decided, all right, it's time to head into a partnership. So there was a bit of a lead up to that because, you know, we had never separated out productions, collections, you know, mm -hmm. for us. So it took a while and we used a consulting firm, not you guys, but yeah. it was pretty smooth. How long were you an associate before that first buy-in? Before the first partnership? Yeah probably seven years. Okay. Yeah, so seven years. So seven. kids were kind of like elementary middle school when you bought in. Yeah. Yeah. Probably yep. about them. And then you entered a male partnership. So kind of talk to me about that. Two males, you're kind of coming in as the female. Yeah. <laughs> lovely, well, lovely, different dynamic though. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I, my partners are, were really great, but obviously when I first actually started in the practice, I just wanted everybody to like me because we had a, obviously the bosses were male mm -hmm. and I was female. So mm -hmm. as you know, female to female, no, don't call me Dr. Siri, call me Michelle. And, you know, I just kind of wanted to get down on everybody's level. And my partner said to pull me aside and say, no, you're Dr. Siri. You know, you need to mm -hmm. play the role of the doctor now. So it was really just about I'm a pleaser. So I just wanted people to like me. And, you know, not all women are there to support you. Some women are there to really be jealous and say mm -hmm. not nice things. So I went through some of that. And I went through also some amazing people who were trying to say, no, you're the doctor, this is what you need to do. And, you know, ultimately, it's my two partners who really helped me become who I am. But, you know, I was just really anxious. I didn't have a lot of clinical background. So, you know, the dentistry, to some extent was easy, but it's, you know, managing the complications yep. and just not being able to say, oh, well, I've been doing this for 20 years, so I've seen everything. And a little bit of that imposter syndrome of like, oh, like you too have right. this like world of experience and like all of these different fields and I'm coming in kind of this fresh, right? Right. So it wasn't easy, but turned out great, I think. No, I think you bring up such a good point because again, from a female perspective, I don't know what it is, but we are all inherently like start out as just pleasers, just like, like me, like I want you to yeah. be my friend. <laughs> but as a boss, right, you kind of had to take that step back and say, okay, okay, no, I am going to elevate myself to this level. I do deserve to be here. I need you to see me as like an authority figure. And it's great that your partners were like that because I think that that's something too that I think we have to acknowledge in this is that not all females are supportive and not all males are non-supportive, right? Like you have right. to really find those people that kind of build build you up as a person and not as a female, but as a person. And you are a person who deserves this, whatever this right. is. So I think that's an incredible point. What's been your biggest struggle? You kind of became an owner and have kind of experienced a whole world of, of ownership as your kids have gotten bigger and your family life has evolved. What either time period or just thing in general has been the biggest struggle as owning a business and kind of being a wife and mom and friend, et cetera? Well, I mean, I think on a personal level, um, when my daughter was very young, she was 15 months old, she was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So mm -hmm. it required a lot of attention. So I had to go from working four days a week to three days a week, 
just had to get a lot of help in the house. It was incredible management. You know, I'm in the operatory and you get a call that your daughter's sugar is really low and, you know, what are you going to do? And, you know, so it was a lot of just trying to take a deep breath and say, okay, this is what we're going to, managing that mm-hmm. and working was very, very difficult. But I had a lot of support and a lot of great people. So it got a lot easier. So I would say on a personal level, try having to deal with that and then balance a career because all I wanted to do at that point was just be home with her and yeah. Watch every Cheerio she put in her mouth and give her (laughs) insulin for it. But I knew that I couldn't stop my life for that. So, And you were an associate at that point. I was an associate at that point. So at this practice Mm -hmm. that you own now? Okay. So very supportive to say, hey, I need to shift down to three days a week. And this is is the time of life I have to be in right now. I mean, they were super supportive. I'm sure that they didn't love it. But, you know, it's for them, family first, of course. And you can't change anything. No. But then eventually when I entered my partnership, I did change my schedule a little bit more. But I think I would say on a professional level, obviously just trying to find the balance in everything, but more so than that, when there's changes in your schedule. So as women who have careers, whether it's yours, mine, dentists, you know, we schedule everything down to the minute. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you think you have everything ready and then the school nurse calls and you're like, oh. Um, I mean, you know what that's Mm -hmm. like, or two weeks from now, somebody has gone to like the finals in the spelling bee and you're like, wait, two weeks from now, I I, I'm scheduled out two years from now. How can I make this happen? It's just trying to figure that out. And I feel like it's just rotating the yeses and the nos and who is going to get the yes this week. And is it your husband? Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it your friends? You know, how are you going to rotate all those yeses and nos? And you can't always say no to your husband. You can't always say no to your kids. So that is like um, my favorite saying of anyone I've ever talked to, like rotating the yeses and nos. <laughs> I love that so much. It's so, so true. And it's so funny because I got that nurse call yesterday, like my phone rang and I knew it was like middle of the day and I was like, oh, I don't have time for this today. No. And turns out she just like bumped her knee in recess and the nurse just wanted to let me know. I was like, oh, no problem. Happy to put some ice on that when I get home. Time for the happy dance, <laughs> as right? As long as I don't have to leave. Yeah, no, I, I think that's so true. And I think it's it's challenging. And like you said, in dentistry or what we do, where we have client calls kind of scheduled, you know, out for the week. And then you get the, hey, there's a presentation at 1130. And you're like, that's a great time for working parents to come to the school for a presentation, but I can't miss it. Yes. So how do I figure out how to do this in another order? So rotating yeses and nos, that's going to become part of my verbiage. Your husband is an oral surgeon, so you both kind of live in this world. How has that, knowing you had your daughter and kind of the health challenges and then just kind of life in general, how have you guys balanced that with both of you having such demanding careers and patient schedules? Yeah, so, well, first of all, we had a lot of help. My family helped us. We had au pairs, we had babysitters, neighbors, good friends. So anybody that was willing to lend a hand, I said yes to. We always tried to rotate our days off, or not rotate our days off, but just take different days off of the week. For a pediatric dentist, the afternoon is typically my busy time for an Mm -hmm. oral surgeon in the morning. So there were days where we'd have to do a handoff of a sick kid and stick them in the back operatory and just like isolate that operatory. Um, (laughs) And I'm sure my kids will tell me stories and how I, 
I don't know if this is going <laughs> to scar them mentally, but they seem to be doing okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's helpful because my husband does understand my schedule and mm-hmm. how it is not easy to take off and how far we are booked out. So there's the understanding factor, which is great. And then sometimes it's like, well, you know, I kind of do what you do too. So you have to understand my schedule, mm-hmm. but we just made it work. Are both of your families close or one of them? So my husband's family is in Lebanon. When the kids were very little, his mom would stay with us for extended periods of time, like nine months at a time. So when she was there, it was glorious. Oh my gosh. Come yes. home to a cooked meal. My house would be clean. The oh. kids would be happy. I mean, I would love for her to come back, but <laughs> my parents were about 45 minutes away. Okay. So they never committed to any, you know, like they didn't take Mondays. My mm-hmm. parents would be the, uh, somebody sick help. Yeah drive down or, Hey, we need an overnight help or an overnight assist or something like that. And they were always willing to do that. So it was really great. So I'm very lucky to have that help. That's awesome. I think you kind of answered this question, but I'd I'd like to kind of see the other side of it. You said when you first started, you were more of a people pleaser. How is your perception of ownership yourself, your management style? Like how has that changed from kind of first entering ownership to where you are today? Well, I think one of the biggest things is I'm a lot less anxious now. I think as a young dentist, a young female, young owner, I was very anxious because I didn't have that experience. I didn't have five angry parents that called in it. You know, I, I just didn't have I don't know what the right word is, but that's a great thing to not feel Mm -hmm, as anxious mm -hmm. about everything. I mean, I used to go to bed just thinking, oh, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Did I, should I have taken that tooth out when I was younger? And now I just feel a lot more confident in my decisions and I can sleep a little bit better at night. More of like a separation in a way of like, you can kind of leave it at work versus bringing it home. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair. That like is the fair. clinical side, maybe. Clearly, we all yes. bring home like all of the office stuff and that kind of hangs around, but right. more of the clinical decision making. Right. And I think it's true. I think it's in my experience as time elapses and you see more and more and you see different problems and you realize that like, oh, that decision actually was good. Or even that decision might have, I could have done better there. You can like call on that the next time it shows up. Right. And you can know that like, oh, okay. Like the last time I had this worry and I did this, it worked out fine. And, or I recognize now that this is different and this is how I like shift to that decision versus, you know, A versus B. So I think that is very universal and true. Some of that is time and just kind of letting time elapse and gaining more experience, which clearly makes us all better. If someone who is young is listening to this and thinking, hey, I am interested in ownership, but I have two young kids um, or I am unsure if this is the right move for me, what type of advice would you give them? Well, I would definitely say do it. Don't wait as long as I did. But I think also trying to figure out what your expectation is. I mean, not of life, but if you know, if you think that once a month I've got to go away and that's what you want to do, well, being a practice owner, that's going to be really hard in a partnership. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to close your practice, but I think it's great. It's worked out so well for me. I would say find a good mentor. So I guess two parts of that. Let's go two parts. So like this to me is probably the most important part of what I hope someone gets from this is it can be multifaceted, right? Like if I say, what's the one thing you would tell a practice owner? I think I'm saying like, 
what would you tell a practice owner? Let's take away the one. Cause I think there are a lot of different facets of this, like versus like do it soon, like do it as soon as you can versus like, don't do this versus have this trait. You know what I mean? There's a lot of pieces we can go in here too. So like, feel free to just talk. Well, I think first you have to figure out, do you want to be by yourself or do you want to be in a partnership? And I loved being in a partnership. I think it's great. It's great to be able to leave and to know that somebody else is taking care of things Mm -hmm. in good times and bad. I think that I currently have some great mentors, my current partners. I definitely would not be who I am today without them. They've supported me through so many life events. And I think if you're in a current associateship and you really need to see your potential future partners in the good and the bad. It's not just when you're making them money and you're great if they're all going to be happy. It's when you're in a really hard state of your life. Your kid just was diagnosed with diabetes. How are they going to react? You are sick. You've got to take care of a dying parent. How are they going to react in this? And that's just a little snippet of, will they be a good partnership? Because we're all getting older. We're all going to face harder things. Mm -hmm. And also to find a mentor perhaps outside of your current associateship. So I've been connected with a lot of younger female dentists who I really could not pick off the street, but somebody said, oh, call this dentist and you know, talk to her about some things. And I feel like I've really been able to give some good advice because they don't know me. I don't know them. I can hear their story. They can hear my story. And they probably would not say half the things to me that they would say to somebody who, who knew them. So finding somebody you could just bounce ideas off of is a great thing. And, you know, we talk on here all the time about how partnership is marriage, right? Like partnership is it a is. marriage and it is a commitment. And when everything's going great, of course, everyone gets along. But when things go south, either internally from like a disagreement standpoint, or like you said, something in your life goes south and or you hit a bump and you need that support, like that is where you see the true colors of someone. So being very versed in having a relationship, I always say you don't have to be best friends, right? But you do have to have a high mutual respect. And if you can right. be friends, great, but you have to have a respect and an acknowledgement of who those people are as people as well as partners as you walk along. And I think sometimes people just want to jump into it too quickly. Agree. You know, oh, I've been working here for six months. I want to partner. I want part, but it's more than that. I think people just think it's about making more money and let me get in there. But you don't really know who you're getting into bed with. You yep. got to make sure that these are people are, that are going to support you through everything. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so mentorship, I think, is another big key here and something that I think that as at least I know I have and and very similarly, right? Like if you talk to your friend about a work problem or you talk to another colleague who doesn't work at your practice, they have a fresh perspective without all the attachment of emotion that comes with those issues. And they can be like, well, I don't know. Sounds a little bit, you know, like maybe you should have done that thing or you shouldn't have said that thing. I mean, and that's what we do day in and day out when we kind of structure these transitions. To be honest, I always joke that part of my life is a being a therapist amongst people and hearing two stories and trying to take the emotion out of it. So I think mentorship is a huge thing that we've heard from other guests as well of just find someone you can talk to who is at a different stage in life than you are that can give you the clarity to understand, yes, that's a big thing or no, you're going to figure that out, right? Like you think it's unattainable or something that's going to be a big roadblock in an actuality. It's not true. Yeah. I was talking to a young colleague about having a baby and kind of being a working mom. 
it was like how to get them to daycare. I was like, I remember worrying extensively about how I was going to get up and get myself ready and get the kid to daycare. I actually never remember it being a problem. I remember me worrying about it a ton and trying to schedule things and write things down, but I never actually remember it being a real life problem that like was a too big of a roadblock because you just do it, you know, like a new thing comes into your world and you just figure it out. So I, I think that's very true. If you could go back in time and kind of change one thing, what would it be from an ownership perspective? What would you do differently? Probably I would have done it a little bit earlier. I waited about seven years before I entered, you know, maybe after three years I should have done it. Yeah. But I just was feeling too overwhelmed with my life at that point. Mm -hmm. So need a little nudge. I did, but I don't think doing it three or four years earlier would have made a huge difference in my life. Yeah. With anything, you have to be mentally prepared. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been a fun conversation. I've appreciated learning more about you and I know our listeners will as well. It's your story. You joked that it's a normal story, but I feel like everyone's normal story is worth sharing and important as we all try to navigate this world. So thank you so much for being here today. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. Of course. And all right, team, that's all we have for today. Thanks for joining us on episode 96 of Transition Talk. And if you're looking for more on female practice ownership, be sure to check out episodes 90, 95, and stay tuned for a few more. As always, make sure to share the transition love with those who may not know of us yet. And of course, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time.